right, all right, all right. Here it comes again. Many words of wisdom from two old guys on the back porch. I am Steve Scotch. And as always, we have the lovely and talented Cat. That's C-A-T, cracking the whip. Cat, what's happening? Hey, how y'all doing? We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and I don't know where else. That's and- enough. <laughs> uh, we can also be found on Facebook and Instagram. And the two towns we're shouting out, one is Shaker Heights, Ohio, a very nice town outside of Cleveland, and also a former hometown and a friend of mine from college, Elizabeth. Also, we can be listened to, have been listened to in Compton, California, home of Snoop Dogg. Compton. Compton. All right. Wow, a little slow on the trigger. Slow today. on the trigger. Sorry. All right. I was, of course. I was in. I was thinking about Snoop Dogg. Well, and, might, and that fabulous new show he's in. It could be the alcohol, <laughs> which keeps us warm on cold winter nights. All right, today I'm doing Maker's Mark, one of my favorites. Just in a shot glass. Big fan of Mountain Dew. Just the old school Mountain Dew. That's my chaser. Slam the makers. Throw a little Mountain Dew behind it. And let's rock on. Kat, what's your girly drink today? Um, It's just raspberry lemonade and some raspberry absolute vodka. That's with a little few raspberries floating on top. I guess it should come up with some little girly name and or something, but right now, it's just lemonade and vodka. Just call it the Raspberry Beret. That's, <laughs> That's a good one, Steve. All right. Sounds sweet like you, baby. Thanks, doll. All right. Today, we're going to the sushi bar. Oh, my gosh. Now, sushi, traditional Japanese dish, or should I call it a plate? I don't know. It's, uh, what is it, vinegared rice with some salt and sugar added along with some seafood and veggies. Right. Is that close? C- correct. Okay. Um, the word sushi actually means sour tasting. Right. It was an old legend that a Japanese elderly woman was trying to hide her pots of rice and osprey nests, fearing the thieves would steal them. Over time, she collected the pots and found the rice had begun to ferment. She discovered that the fish scraps from the osprey meal mixed together with the rice was pretty tasty. Wow, that's a trip because uh, the osprey is a kick-ass bird. If you ever hung around the water a little bit, they're uh, they're the greatest fishermen that God ever created. Was the osprey? They have their young and they just go catch a fish and then they turn it so it stays wind resistant in their claws and take it back and the concept of sushi was introduced in japan like the ninth century when buddhism spread Uh, it goes back like over 1300 years i mean uh what is it they called it uh edo it was the edo period right buddhism dietary abstain from meat meant many japanese people turned to fish yeah, um, there's a restaurant that's been here in the city of Richmond forever called Ito Squid. Um, it's It's been around forever. I see where they got the name now. But we anyway. We didn't really get sushi in the United States until like the 1960s. So. Yeah. It's 
it's kind of a healthy dish, right? Low right. in fat, high in protein, vitamins, carbohydrates. I guess that comes from the rice. Right. I don't know. Well, you got those people now that, you know, I just don't do carbs. They're, so they're, I'm going to do soy paper around. You can, some restaurants, you can ask them to do soy paper rather than rice and, and seaweed. What is the the sushi that does the, the one sashimi? Okay, we hit, I'm gonna which is like do an education here. Nigeria, spit it out. Nigeria is usually fish on top of rice. Sashimi is just fish itself. But that's the one that uses like uh, a vegetable wrap. Which no, is very no, no. Thin, thin, like a cucumber wrap instead of rice, sashimi. Okay. Right? That, uh, that is correct. Right. Okay. okay. Then it's mankai that's like rice-filled seaweed wrap. Okay. Uh, Yuramakai Yura is like, is just rice on the outside of the seaweed. All right. Yeah. Forget all that. Okay. <laughs> Just regular sushi. Let's go with regular sushi. Okay, some people might be turned off by it, but maybe by its looks. I mean, I think it looks pretty cool, the way they present it. Um, it's kind of slowly crept its way into this, into this house. Uh, the wifey started eating it a few years ago. And we go to some restaurants out here, and she'll order a roll Maybe we started ordering sushi like as an appetizer. And then through the years, it's kind of rolled into the main dish. And then she started bringing it home from the grocery store. I mean, hell, damn near every grocery store out here has a Japanese person rolling up some sushi. And by the way, why is it always a Japanese person? Not necessarily. You go to Wegmans, they get... Oh, some, they do? They got some oh. white kids rolling it. Okay. Or, or they're being taught to roll it. I don't know. It seems racist to me. You think we could give it a go, but I never see All I see is Japanese people. But if you saw it, you saw it. Now, when, fush, when sushi first hit the scene out here, I, I ran from it. Okay. Now, the way, what is it? I don't know. About 10 years ago or more. I walked into this grocery store, and there's a lady handing out free samples of the sushi. Now, me being smarter than your average bear, I didn't take the bite going in, okay? When I was leaving, I took the free sample as I was heading out the store, just in case I didn't like it, and then I could spit it out on the ground, which is what I did. I hocked that baby right out. Now, I love seafood. But I don't want anything raw. I don't like anything raw. And that's what scared me off from sushi because of the raw ingredients. But as the wifey got more into it, I would try a piece every now and then. And then I started to like it. I mean, I didn't go after sushi. Sushi came after me. Okay. <laughs> now, we would go to the MGM the Grand, the National Harbor Casino, two hours north of here, a couple times, the other side of the Potomac, Casino, hotel, stores, the place is freaking awesome. It All is right. awesome. Now, now, they have a food court there, and I hesitate to call it a food court, 
because usually food court, you know, screams crappy food. But at this MGM, there's like 10 different food options in this food court area. And all of it is great. Yeah. And there's a sushi bar there, which the wifey hasn't sat at. Because every time we walk through there, there's an ass in every seat. Yeah, at the, it's packed. Right? It's packed. I mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot of Asian community in Northern Virginia, but I mean, it's not all Asian community there sitting there. I mean, it's packed every time. I mean, we have a couple of hibachi restaurants we like out here. You know, half the menu is sushi rolls. You know, there's a steak and sushi restaurant we've been to a few times. And, you know, We've gone from ordering pasta and seafood to getting sushi, right? Right, right. I mean, I just noticed it slowly found its way into our diet. I mean, I still can't believe I'm eating it. I mean, I just took notice that a lot of people like this stuff. (laughs) So let's give it a try. And, of course, I'm very good at finding the negative in everything. Oh, God. So when eating sushi, I do get a little bit bored with it. I mean, to me, we'll see. at least get two different rolls. Okay. Am I right? See, you always see that there's a little piece of ginger, and there's a piece of uh, there's the wasabi. The ginger is usually the palate cleanser, so if you need to take some of that okay. in between two different rolls or something, just to Get your taste buds ready for the next roll. That's the way to do it. Uh, I'll I'll take that. But again, if you have like one sushi roll and you're about halfway through it, it's like I'm looking for something else. You know, can I get some fries with that (laughs) or a bag of Funyuns or something? I mean, you need something unhealthy to go with it. (laughs) I I got you. I see those little squirts, those little flower-looking things on the side. Right. And by the way, that green stuff, <laughs> the wasabi, go, go all in on that. If you never had sushi, just take a big spoonful of that. Steven, you were dangerous. Pop it in your mouth. Um, again, if you've never tried sushi, or you're like me and you thought raw fish, you know, whoa, it's going to make me sick, I'm going to die. I mean, there are options that have tempura, which right. you know, some of the ingredients are cooked, correct? Right, correct. Okay. I mean, and that, most restaurants will label what's cooked and what's raw. All right. I mean, that's the way I started with was with the uh, tempura stuff. And look, you got your soy sauce. Um, what is it? The yum. I call it the yum yum sauce. Right. The orange one. What is it called? Whatever yum you want to call it. There's little sauces. You dump it in there. You know, some of the sushi rolls already have that orange yum yum, whatever it's called, drizzled on top. Or pansu. You're supposed to use chopsticks. You know, now pick up a piece, dip it in the soy. I can't do the chopsticks. That's a no for me. <laughs> but anyway, I struggle, but I try. I have enough trouble with a fork. But, um, you know, here's something about sushi that's a trip. You get a sushi roll, it's like, what, eight or ten inches long? Right. It's cut into these, like, uh, what, about one inch, right. maybe thick, circular pieces. And you're supposed to just cram this whole thing in your mouth. 
I mean, it's not very dignified when you don't yeah, go there. Yeah, but it's better than it, it hangs half out and you've bitten it and the rest of it's falling onto the plate. Don't, don't go on a first date to the sushi bar because <laughs> I, I remember me and the wifey went out to a, a, it's a sushi steak place or whatever out here. It, it's, it's called Red Salt. Oh. Uh, I won't get into that place. We're going to do a it's podcast a, it's a little on bit restaurants on the pretentious side. There. Yeah, they, they're a bunch of a-holes. But anyway, they got good sushi. So anyway, <laughs> we, we go and we sit down and we're sitting very close to this uh, Japanese family. It's like a family of four. And they're sitting at the table like, what, like a foot from right. us. And they're just cramming this stuff in. I mean, just like they're they going got to this, town. And I mean, face it's like down. they hadn't eaten in a week. Yeah, it looked very barbaric to me, but um, you know, that's what you're supposed to do: pick it up and jam it in. Again, look, we're not saying you know it's the best food ever, but give it a chance. It's something. It's something different. It's something different. Give it a chance. Like I said, I just noticed it's popping up everywhere. So there must Heck, be something to it. They've got it all the way out there in Montpelier. Yeah. I mean, now I'm going to say I like it again. Um, you know, you get tired of eating the same thing, hamburger, chicken, chicken, hamburger, steak, bologna, whatever your thing is. Just throw it in there, see what happens. All right, Kat, we're going to roll right into one tough son of a bitch. Holy smoke. I hope everybody's sitting down. I'm going to give everybody a moment. I'm going to take a sip. We're all sipping for this one. The one tough son of a bitch is Ernest Hemingway. The man, the myth, the legend. The most famous alcoholic that ever lived. (laughs) I mean... American novelist, I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Died at age 61 in 1961 from Oak Park, Illinois. Pulitzer Prize winner, Nobel Prize winner. At age 18 years old now, he worked for the American Red Cross and had 200 pieces of shrapnel removed from his leg. I think he, a bomb went off somewhere out there and... and whacked him, survived two plane crashes on back-to-back days. Yes. Okay. Why would you get in the second time? He was trying <laughs> to get out of Bermuda. Not Bermuda. It was somewhere he was at. He was in Cambodia. It was some country he was in. He was trying to get the hell out of there. Um, he loved the outdoors. Ernest Hemingway, big hunter, liked to fish. He definitely liked to drink. Uh, he liked to do his writing early in the morning. Because he had plans for the rest of the day. And what were those plans, Stephen? I'm going to take a sip. (laughs) Mainly drinking is what he wanted to do. The sun also rises for whom the bell tolls. The old man and the sea, just classics. Around uh, 1955, 56, Ernest Hemingway's hard living ways, they, they started to catch up with him, right? Um, well, I mean, he had one drink called Death in the Afternoon. It was basically champagne and absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Nothing wrong with that. 
if you're gonna get her done, throw in some absence, okay? <laughs> Good gosh, you know, he also took Ritalin. Oh, really? Yes, he did. Um, That's hard to believe. You know, and drinking, like he did, it caused many health problems. Unfortunately, Ernest had mental and physical problems at age sixty-one. Uh, he'd had over like a dozen electric shock treatments, which was a medical procedure back in those times to help people. Uh, I mean, electric... he dedicated a book to each of his four wives. Yes, and That's Lord knows wives. they needed one. I mean, those. He did have an eye for the ladies. There's no doubt. Electroshock treatments. I don't know who came up with that, but that joker should have had to take one. Because I don't uh, think that helped anybody. Um, he, he was having depression and, and, they and paranoia. That was, all that shit was going on. And they thought that was preferable to a lobotomy. I mean... Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it put him over the edge. Again, I, we would never endorse suicide, but... He had it in his history. His dad killed himself. Right. There's there's some other famous writers who whose fathers killed themselves. Right. Not just Ernest. There's there's a little list of that which is kind of strange. But anyway, again, never endorse suicide. That's not the way to do it. But uh, he had had enough. So uh, Ernest took the double barrel shotgun, and it was game over. Ernest Hemingway, you were one tough son of a bitch. In honor of Ernest Hemingway, the cocktail of the week, get your pen and paper out, write it down. It's called the Matador. Now, Ernest Hemingway did like a good bullfight. He watched, I don't know why he got into this shit. I have no idea. I'm not a PETA guy, not a big, you know, animal rights, whatever. I don't like. I mean, I grew up on a cattle farm. I can't imagine. Let's let's go. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't like people who tie dogs up, put them in a pen all year, uh, using animals in laboratories, none of that shit. But bullfighting. They basically take these swords and stab this joker around his head and his neck around around the backside or whatever to weaken him. And then the matador comes out with his little flashy curtain and dances right. around and does... It's... You know what happens to the bull at the end. Now, I don't know the history of the game. I'm sure over there there's some kind of mystique to it. I don't know what it is. But bullfighting, eh, they don't show it on TV. Let's, let's go ahead and tell you, that's, it's a little fucked up. But anyway, Ernest Hemingway was into it. The Matador. Okay, cocktail. This one is a shaker. Two ounces of tequila. Three quarters of an ounce of pineapple juice. Half ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice. Lemon juice? Yes. I you have know. lime juice. Okay. Then, I used half a lime. Then we'll go with lime. <laughs> Do you have agave syrup? No. You don't have that either. So you've got what? I have one part or two to one and a half part 
Blanco, two to three parts pineapple and half a lime. All right, add those ingredients into a shaker filled with ice. Shake the shit out of it. This one, they say pour into a wine glass. Did you get that? No, I didn't do a wine glass. All right. We're just, okay. So this, there was a, a older version that was popular in Britain called the Matador from the 30s. The Royal Cafe and William Tarling. But this isn't the one we're using. This is a more contemporary version that was done at Trader Vic's in 1972. Okay. Definitely more popular. All right. So we're going to do a taste test, see what we think. The Matador. It's tequila, pineapple juice, lime juice. What do you think? It's pretty good. Looks good. It's a little fizzy. What would you do if I downed the whole glass? I don't know. Not bad. The Matador. Feels like a summer drink. Yeah, Kinda probably like summer. It. All right, there we go. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. All right, today we were bumpered in. Again, one of two old guys on the back porch's favorite bands, the Psychedelic Furs, formed in London, England in 1977. And they're still going, right? They're still going. All right. The first time I saw the Psychedelic Furs, and don't let the name throw you off if you've never heard of them, Back in our day, there were these music shows that came on like around midnight on the weekends. Right. Uh, the Midnight Special with Wolfman Jack or the Whistle Stop or something. Now, now I'm sitting there. Parents are going to bed. I'm like 15 years old, totally into music. And they introduced the psychedelic furs, right? So I'm sitting there in the den... Was this little... Don Kirshner's rock concert? It could have been. It could have been. All right. Introduces the psychedelic furs. It's like 12.55 on a Saturday night. 15 years old. I'm sitting six inches from the front of this big box. Back in my day, the TVs were these big square boxes made out of wood. And there's had this... ears on them. And there's a singer, Richard Butler. Okay. He's got a drink in one hand. He's got a ciggy in the other, and he takes a chair, and he, like, slings it around backwards and sits down, basically before he fell down. And it was probably their American television debut, right? And I think they did uh, Sister Europe. I don't, I don't know what song it was. I'm not sure. And I, and I just, I, I'm like, these dudes do not care. They do not care. We're drinking. We're smoking. We're sitting down. We're on your American telly. We are the Psychedelic Furs. And since then, I bought like every album they ever put out. I love this band. Many great songs. Heaven, Ghost in You. Of course, everybody should know what Love My Way. Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink, everybody. From, I mean, from the, the song was in the movie. was the title of the movie. Alternative classics, as we like to call them back in our day. Today, you heard In My Head. And... Uh, Anyway, if you want to see them, they are doing the Make It Rain tour from their last album, Make It Rain, released in 2020. They are coming to Norfolk, Virginia, July 2nd in 2022, and maybe also a 
a town near you. All right, hell yeah, the Psychedelic Furs. Check them out wherever you get your music. We want to thank everybody for listening. We will see you all down the road. See ya. Bye.